So we're in uh, the final week of our Amazing Stories series. So I'd like everyone to go, aww. Excellent. So uh, what we've been doing is we've been talking about the amazing stories that are in the Bible. Through the Bible, there are all these incredible stories. And if you've come to church right today and you're just like, well, I'll give church a try. Or I used to go to church when I was little. Or maybe, you know, this is kind of a new thing for you. You might have known some of these stories. And what what we try to do uh, here in the series is to maybe see, have you see them just a little bit different than you did before. Uh, in reality, the Bible is God's story. It's God's story with humanity from the beginning of creation till the end of time. And uh, what we're trying to do in this series and what we're trying to do every week is try to connect your story with God's story. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about, um, if you can take a guess, the story, this is a whale. Uh, and so we're going to have a whale of a good time. Wow, okay, I apologize. Um, but what we're doing is as we talk about these things in, in Sunday morning here, the children are talking about them in there. And what we try to do is give you a little bit more information than, than, they, than they get so that when you pick them up, you can also say, well, that's really nice, but did you also know? And then you look smart and you win. On the flip side, what they get to do are really cool crafts. Okay, so uh, you'll come with more information and they'll come with this craft, which is, um, this is the whale and this is uh, the whale's tongue. And then there goes Jonah. So it's a little, it's a little Jonah. It's like the coolest thing. And, you know, I, I, you guys who know me long enough know that I, I kind of struggle a little bit with ADD. So uh, while Bob is talking to you for the next few minutes, uh, I'll be playing with uh, my whale. Um, <laughs> But no, it, it's, uh, it's really cool. We're talking about Jonah this morning, and Bob's going to come up like we've done the last three weeks and give you kind of a historical context of what's going on, show you some things about how uh, the author of Jonah set things up, and then um, I'll come up after that. There we go. The book of Jonah, you find it in a bunch of those little small prophets right at the end of your Old Testament. You got Obadiah just before him and Micah just after. You kind of get to the Matthew, turn left and go back. Or go to Daniel and turn right and get there. So this is a story that a lot of us are familiar with. You know, Jonah and the whale or the big fish. That's, that's the deal. But I want to break down the, the opening chapters and get us to the part where John's going to really bring it home. Now, as you can see, if you're familiar, one of the cool things about the Bible is it really does reward rereading. So if you're familiar with this, you'll know that this starts like the way that books of the prophets normally did. The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, and that's the standard way. It's like the Bible's shorthand for saying, okay, what you're about to read, God really did want Jonah to say this. And then the next thing is what you would normally expect. God then tells the prophet, here's what I want you to do. And what he wanted him to do was go and talk to the people of Nineveh. Now, the people of Nineveh, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. They were kind of the bosses of the ancient Near East from about the 9th century to the 7th century. They were really bad. Even in the way the passage describes it here, you can see that they're really bad. You see that word there, their wickedness has come up before me. This is a special phrase that the Bible uses only three times for exceptionally bad situations. The first time was right before God destroyed the earth with Jonah's flood, that the wickedness had come up, and that's why the God redid the Noah's flood. 
And, and later on when I say Noah, I really mean Jonah, okay? So just, just we're good. Um, so it was that time. The other time was at the episode of the golden calf in Exodus 34, where the Lord is up with Moses on Mount Sinai, and the Lord is, is laying out the life that he wants Israel to leave, and the Israelites get bored, and they decide to make idols, golden calves for them, and the Lord gets really unhappy about that. This is the third time. Now, the reason it's used here is the Assyrians aren't just bad, but they are really bad. You know, we think we know bad in our world, right? We know restaurants that are bad. We know music that's bad. We, and, and then we think, okay, worse than that. You know, like, like damsels in distress on, on, or, you know, really bad, really bad. But the, the kind of bad that the Assyrians were, were was even worse. By the standards of their time, they were absolutely ruthless. I mean, beyond the normal boundaries of this earth kind of bad. That's how bad the Assyrians were. But even if it's that bad, you think of a guy that did a lot of bad stuff, and that's who the Assyrians were. They were absolutely ruthless. Think of his worst moment. This one, if you're a Star Wars nerd, you know what's happening here. This is as absolutely as bad as it possibly gets. And that's who God wants to send to go, Jonah to go talk to. And so what we would expect at this point, normally in the story, so God says this is the word of the Lord comes, and then the prophet gets his commission. The next thing is, is the prophet goes. That's not what happens here. If you know the story, you know what happens instead. Instead, Jonah goes exactly the opposite way. So again, you know, if we're trying to figure out where we are, if Garden Grove is where Jonah is, when he says go to Nineveh, that would be like going to Salt Lake City, okay? Pretty far away. But, and it's important to get this because, you know, when you look at it on a map, you know, Salt Lake City, you look at it on a map from SoCal, it's only this far away, you know. But it's pretty far. But what Jonah does instead is he gets on a boat and decides to go to Tarshish. Tarshish is Spain, okay? The whole other end of the Mediterranean, which is almost exactly the same distance from SoCal to Hawaii. So instead of going to Salt Lake City, he decides to get on a boat and go to Hawaii. And so Jonah does this. He goes down to San Pedro, or actually it's Joppa in the text. He buys passage on a ship, and he goes out on the ship. And they get going, and while they're going, suddenly a huge storm comes up. And Jonah's asleep down below. But the storm is so big that the ship itself actually starts talking. It says, notice what it says here. It says that such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And that's literally what it says in Hebrew. It's like the ship's personified. The ship's saying, hey, don't you know what's going on here? I'm breaking up here. Or something. I don't know what ships would sound like, but it's probably something like that. Okay? So the guys, they cast lots, and they try to figure out what's the problem here. They call to their gods. They, they throw dice or cast lots, and the lot falls to Jonah. Now, this is not a surprise, because when Jonah got on the boat, he told the guys, hey, look, I'm trying to get away from my god. And so they go down below where Jonah is sacked out, deep asleep. And they wake him up, and they start shouting at him and, and asking him questions they already know the answer to. You know, why are you doing this? And Jonah finally says, okay, fine. I know what the problem is. Just throw me overboard, and it'll all stop. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to do that. But Jonah insists, insists. And so they throw him overboard. And they are really freaked out when they do this. In fact, they're so freaked out, they take time to cry out to the Lord. In fact, they're doing exactly what Jonah should be doing. And they say, Lord, please don't hold us blame for this. 
we don't want to do this. We know this is the wrong thing. This is another one of those great examples in the Bible where the people that are supposed to be God's people don't know what's up, and the people who aren't supposed to be God's people do. And remember, Jonah's job is to take pagan people and convert them. These guys are already converted. Well, they throw Jonah in the water. The water immediately smooths out. And the guys do sacrifices and they give praise to the Lord. But most of you guys know the story probably. Jonah doesn't die. Instead, God sends or appoints a big fish. And that big fish swallows Jonah. And Jonah is in darkness. Three days later, Jonah in the belly of the fish, it occurs to him, I better talk to God. And so he begins to call out to the Lord. And he says in lines that if, you're, if you have a chance to read the Bible a lot, you start to recognize this. This is a classic Thanksgiving psalm that Jonah is going to do. You know, just like in music, there's certain genres. You know, if you hear screaming, wailing guitars, you know you're about to hear a heavy metal song. If you hear whining steel guitars, you know you're about to hear a country song. Well, poetry in Hebrew is like that too. And if you see this kind of structure, a two-line Two, two lines and then two lines on this particular theme, you know that it's a Thanksgiving song. And Jonah begins to give thanks, which is kind of weird because he's stuck in this fish. And notice, too, the verb tenses here. They're already past. They're not future. Like, Lord, I need this. He's saying, this has already happened. So what comes next in the rest of this song is a, like, messed up version of a Thanksgiving song. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So it'd be like suddenly listening to a song that has both, um, you know, a heavy hip-hop beat or a dubstep beat and steel guitars and big lead guitars. It just doesn't all go together. And Jonah's song is like that. And there's a number of structural things that ought to be there that aren't. And what they do, the way it's messed up, really draws attention to this phrase in the middle of the poem where he says, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Jonah's really saying, look, Lord, you've done this thing to me, but I'm, I'm going to be okay. It's really about Jonah. And so we really come out of this with some doubts about, is Jonah just saying the right thing to make God happy, or does he really mean this? And, it's, and this really leaves us kind of hanging, because God does ultimately save him. But here's the thing. Jonah does end up in the right place, whether he intends it or not he ends up in the right place. And this is how the song that he sings when he's in the belly of the fish ends up. And notice that last line here that's really key. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. That's what his job is, right? He's a prophet. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go to Nineveh and say salvation comes from the Lord. So it looks like he gets it. And right after this happened, as John just pointed out, the fish, literally the Hebrew word is he vomits him out. And Jonah comes back on the land. And so what starts in the book is part two. Now, notice part two here. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This is word for word like verse, chapter one, verse one, with two exceptions. And they're both in blue here. One is, it, the last time it was like Jonah's name and his dad's name. This time it's we're going for a second time. And you'll remember the first time it said their, their sin has come up to me, their wickedness has come up to me, go and, and preach against them. This time, notice the emphasis here. It's on the message that I will give you. I think there's something really key here that what the Lord is saying is, is it doesn't matter 
when God is at work, the size of or the, the, the size of the sinfulness of the people of Nineveh, what matters is the amount of God's grace and mercy. And that's endless. So that's what really matters here. So Jonah follows through, and he goes and talks to the people of Nineveh. And Nineveh is like three days across to walk, and Jonah only gets like one day in and decides, okay, I'll give my message. This is 40 days, the city will be overthrown, which is a very strong word. And the thing is, it works. The people of Nineveh repent. They don't ask questions. They don't go, what's going on here? They just repent. They change their mind. They do it. It says they actually believed God. In Hebrew, it's even stronger. It says they believed in God. These people who are the worst possible people in the world, you did not want to be on the wrong side of an Assyrian or a Ninevite, these people change their mind about who they are, and they fast, and they put on sackcloth, and they begin to mourn. In fact, it's so extensive that it gets to the king, and he does the same thing, and the king says, that's not enough. We're going to have the animals repent and wear sackcloth as well. That's how extensive it is, okay? And then the king tells the people, he says, look, we need to be serious about this. So he says, let everyone call urgently on God. Give up their evil ways and their violence. That's the true sign of repentance. When you understand, okay, I've been wrong in this kind of way, the people of Nineveh are owning it. You know, I'm not sorry that, I'm, that you're sorry. No, they get it. They get what they've done wrong. But the king says one more thing, and it's really kind of awesome. What the king says is he says, look, he says, who knows? He says, maybe God will relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now, for some of you who've read the Bible a lot, that sounds kind of familiar. And the reason it does is that is almost exactly word for word what Moses says to the Lord at the golden calf episode. When the Lord has said, that's it, I'm done with Israel, I'm going to destroy all of them. And Moses pleads with the Lord, don't do it. What Moses says to the Lord is almost exactly that. It's as if the king of Assyria understands that the people of Israel are here because God decided to be merciful to them and gracious to them at their absolute worst moment. Maybe, just maybe, he'll be gracious and merciful to us when we're at our worst moment. And you know what? God is. The text goes on to say that when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Again, if you're familiar with this, this is exactly, almost word for word, what happens in Exodus 34. The same mercy that God extended to Israel at the golden calf, he now extends to the Assyrians in the midst of their worst stuff. Great ending, right? Right. And now John's going to tell us about the rest. So if you're wondering, like I am, when you're reading the Bible and you're wondering, like, wh what animal needs to repent? Cats. That's, that's, the, that's the answer. So if you were, if I were to ask you to tell about the story of Jonah, and, and you had to give kind of all the information that you could remember, and you were trying to connect with the thing of Jonah, I mean, most of us would, would kind of come up with the, the, the whole idea that, you know, Jonah ran from God, God pursued Jonah, 
Uh, Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. It doesn't say whale, by the way, just so you you can take that to your kids when you pick them up. Uh, It's just a big fish. And then then he, he... preaches he, he does what he's supposed to do and he preaches to the town and the town saved and that's kind of where bob ended up and that's a nice bow to place on the story i mean that what else do you need from the story other than guy tries to go to hawaii you know boat gets marooned he gets picked up by a fish comes back you know i mean that's just that in and of itself would be amazing but the thing i want to focus on is what happens right after this because I think what happens after this really says more about who we are as humans and who we are as people who've been, um, if, if, uh, again, if you're new and you're just trying to figure out the whole God thing, this might not apply to you. But for a, a lot of the majority of the people who are listening uh, here and on the podcast and all, they're followers of Jesus. And so they've been redeemed. We, we, would, we would describe ourselves if you're a follower of Christ, you'd, you'd, you'd describe yourself as having been in the belly of that fish, so to speak. Have been down, kind of, kind of lost, and you know, life was just not working out for me. And so I cried out to God. And uh, if you read chapter 2, and part of our small group questions is read chapter 2 and kind of identify with what, what is Jonah going through. We, a lot of us have been there. And we cried out to God, and we've been redeemed. And all of a sudden, now we're saved and we're operating under the grace of God. And so, all of a sudden now, with that grace, we're asked to do something else. And that's extend that grace. And that's why this next verse, right after where Bob left off, is is troubling on the one hand because we go, how does this happen? And yet, it really gives us insight into our own story. Watch what happens. But to Jonah... This seemed very wrong. And he became angry. Jonah, to Jonah, to, be, to have the Ninevites, the people from Nineveh forgiven, that seemed wrong to him. And for you and I, we look at that and we go, well, how in the world can this guy who was in a fish, I mean, if, okay, if you're like me, you'd go, if I were in a fish and God had the fish vomit me up on dry land, I think I'd follow him forever. As a matter of fact, I've made those kind of promises to God throughout my life. Oh, God, if you get me out of this, I'm telling you the stuff I'll do for you, you ain't even seen nothing yet. I'm selling all my possessions. I'm going to do everything. I will, I will never speak bad about that. I will never, I will pull over every time I see those lights. I will not, if, as long as you get that helicopter off of my car, I promise from now on, okay, like whatever it is, right? You know, we've all been there we've, where we've kind of made these deals with God. Well, Jonah makes a deal with God in the belly of the fish. And now he's angry that the people of Nineveh are saved. And watch what he says. This is so comical. He says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? I want you to catch this. When I was still at home, kind of in the comforts of my own home, before this whole deal even started, didn't I say this? And listen, he's angry at God. And watch what he says. That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. How do you say that when you're mad? Like, how do you say, like, I knew that you were gracious, 
and compassionate. I mean, can you imagine you're in an argument with your spouse and you're like, oh, you come in here and you clean up the whole house and then you're nice to me and cook me stuff. I knew you were that way when I married you in the first place. Like, like, how, like how does that happen? And Jonah is just like, you're compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know what I mean? It's so weird. And yet... Think about the tension we all feel when we've been forgiven and we're operating under the grace of God and yet we're wronged at the same time and we have that tension of, I want to be forgiven and I want grace extended to me, but I don't want to extend it out. And here's kind of the main point that Bob touched on a little bit that I want us to get this morning. You cannot operate under the grace of God and not extend it to others. By definition, if you say, I want to live under God's forgiveness, under his grace, under his mercy, I want that. By definition, you then must extend it to others regardless of who they are. Now, you go, oh yeah, no, I get that. Well, let's think about that. Because we have, all of us have people in our lives that have wounded us that have abandoned us. And some of our stories, because I know a lot of our stories, it's really bad. Darth Vader bad. Like by hearing your past and hearing all the things, you know, we know we're friends, we understand, we know each other's stories. We know what it was like when that boss, you've been working and working and working and working and working and all of a sudden you threatened that boss because you were so good at what you did and they said, you're gone. You're like, what? We've all... I, I, we know stories of people who've been faithful in marriage for years and years and years and years and all of a sudden they come home and the person's bags are packed and gone with everything. We know stories of people who have, um, have poured into their kids, poured into their kids, poured into their kids only to be rejected by them later on. Now they can't see their grandkids. We've all been wounded in certain ways. And God with his grace and mercy, grace and mercy, gracious and compassionate, abounding in love, says, listen, I saved you from the belly of the fish. Now that you're operating in that forgiveness and in that grace, go and extend it to others. So here's, here's how, now Jonah, after, you know, after he says this, he says, Lord, take away my life. For it's, it's better for me to die than to live. This is the first time Jonah says this. I want us to keep track, okay? It's the first time. Now, but think about this. Think about what he's saying. I would rather than, than take the grace and forgiveness that I've been extended. I'd rather die than extend it. And, and we all look and we, again, we tend to look at these stories and we kind of stand back and we go, what is he doing? Jonah, get a hold of yourself, dude. I mean, if I were in a fish like that and I had that story to tell, I would never say that to God. Really? Like if I'm honest with myself, really? And yet, I have, as your pastor, even as your pastor in the last seven years, I've held on to unforgiveness to the point where it began to eat the insides and began to kill me. Not again, I didn't feel like walking in front of a bus, but, but it, it begin, this is what happens with bitterness and unforgiveness and the inability to accept God's grace and, and forgiveness and extend it to others. So he says, I'd rather die. Here's what the Lord says. 
Is it right for you to be angry? Jo- jo- is this the same Jonah three weeks ago? Remember the fish? Remember when you were in the thing? And I think One part of the story that always is comical to me, and the, the writer of Jonah doesn't talk about it, but um, I was talking to Bob about this. When they threw Jonah overboard, and then the wind stopped, were they all kind of like hanging over the rail, like going, hey, so... Uh, How's it going? Like everything stops, and but Jonah's just like right there. Were they thinking, should we put him back on the boat again? No, no, don't put him on the boat. And Jonah's just like kind of treading water. Hey, guys. Like, like he didn't die right then, you know. Right? But Bob explained to me that most people couldn't swim in that, those days, so he just sunk to the bottom. So that made me feel better. Anyway, so the fish comes, grabs him, right? But here's God. I, dude, remember you? You were sinking. You are going into the depths, all that. Remember you told me? Is it right for you to hang on to this? Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah had gone out and sat down in the place east of the, east of the city. Check this out. This is so, the, Jonah is just like us. 2,700 years ago, he's just like us. There he made himself a shelter. He's going to camp out in his unforgiveness for a while. He's going to make it so that he can just sit for a while with his own little shelter, hang in there, watch what he does. He waited to see what would happen to the city. He already knows nothing's going to happen to the city. He's just hoping. You ever done that? You ever like had unforgiveness in your heart towards someone and their name comes up and you want to hear a story that just is like, oh good, they did get hit by a car. Excellent. (laughs) Okay? You're camping out in a shelter you made for yourself. And again, you can all go, oh man, I've never done anything like that. Right. We all have that. We all sense that. There's people in our lives that come into our lives where when we hear bad news about them, it makes us feel better. You know why? Because we are not operating under the grace and forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. The reason we're not is because we're not extending it to others. Okay? So he makes this, this, this shelter. And he, he waits to see what's happened with the city. And I, can almost, and I can almost tell you what's happening to him. A half hour goes by and he's just getting angrier. Because he wants to see, boom, you know, and see it all. You know, he's, he's hoping, that. listen to this. In his heart, he's hoping that they start doing wickedness again so they can be wiped out. And so he waits and he waits and he waits. And he starts to get angry. Here's what the Lord does. The Lord... God provided a leafy plant or a gourd that made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. I mean, I'm bummed you didn't wipe out 100,000 people, but thanks for the plant. Now listen to how, again, how we can, what we can learn from this. Look how our priorities get skewed. Have you ever talked to somebody who's been wronged? Now, I know this doesn't happen to you, but somebody else, the person you wish was here, that you're thinking right now, oh, I wish they were here. They so need to hear this message. That, that guy, okay, where you're hearing their story and you're going, I'm waiting for you to get to the bad, like, okay, yeah, I got it. Yep, it's okay, right? They took your stapler off your desk and yeah. And then they stabbed you with it? No, okay, they... They scratched your car? No, they just took your stapler. Okay, right? And, and you're thinking to yourself, 
guys going crazy. Like, why make, why make such a big deal about it? And then someone takes your stapler off your desk and you're like, for the last time, I don't mess with my desk. I love my desk. I had everything all set up, right? This is human nature. And so he gets all stoked about this plant. And so God, being just the loving, compassionate God that's going to mess with your head, does this. But the next day, God provides a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. I mean, God's just like, like, I don't know what he's doing. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, okay? And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die second time. It would be better for me to die than to live. God has another question for Jonah again. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah, come on, dude. I did the plant for a reason. Why is it that you can get so happy about a plant and you're totally disconnected from my heart for people? Like, how is it that we can work on being good? Like, because that's, you know, we come to church and we want to hear a message and know how to change our lives. And yet we carry around bitterness. And we carry around unforgiveness. And we, we can't let things roll off our back because we, we love to experience the grace of God. And again, I'm including myself in this too. I love to experience the grace of God, but I'm not operating under the grace of God unless I'm willing to give it back out again. And as you saw from what Bob was showing us, God extended all this grace to the children of Israel. And they accepted it. And they are his children and all this. And now he's going to accept, give, and give grace to the Ninevites. And Jonah's like, no way. Your grace can come this far, but no farther. So he says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Are you going to keep hang, hang, hanging around with that? And here's what he says. It is. It is. It is right for me. Compassionate and gracious God. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. Third time. Watch this next verse. And so the Lord put Jonah to death because of his incessant whining and carrying on. And all the land rejoices. Jonah's body was carried around the desert by wolves. Just before he died, he realized he was stupid, but it was too late. Okay, it doesn't really say that, okay? <laughs> that was a big joke, okay? But isn't there a little bit in all of us that if it said that, we'd just be like, yeah, three times, Jonah? Dude, you should have stopped it too. God is only, he can only go so far. And then he's just up there and he, you know, he's just gonna get you. Like, like there's something about when we read the Bible, it's like we have our arm around Jesus and we're just shaking our heads going, can you believe Jonah? Huh, if it were me, you, you know, well, he's probably, Jesus, he's big, he's, he's in his glorified body now, so he's like up here. And you're like, yeah, Jesus, you and I, we would never, but, but the thing is, there's a little bit of Jonah and a little bit of Nineveh in all of us. See, we all have this wickedness, this sin, this disconnection from God. That, that when Christ comes through his gift, it's a gift of grace and mercy. All we have to provide is faith and just go, you know what, Lord? I, in my distress, I cried out to you. And God will be faithful 
to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you know what he says? I want you to operate in my grace and in my forgiveness. And you say, yes. And he says, now extend it. No, that's hard. It is hard. But see, in the process of, of that tension where we want to build a shelter and just watch what's going to happen, this is where we press into our Heavenly Father and we say, would you teach me? Would you give me the strength? Would you show me? God, you know you were there when this person wounded me. You know exactly what they did. Can you make me like your son, Jesus? And help me to, in the midst of my crucifixion, go forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. See, the next verse wasn't that God saw Jonah and had his body dragged around the desert by wolves. <laughs> I made that up, okay? All right. This is what he says to Jonah. It wasn't the three strikes you're out. He says, but the Lord said, you've been concerned, and this word concerned is a very strong word. It really means to have compassion. Like, you are really connected to this plant. Like, it's uh, this idea of like when Jesus looked out over the crowds and he, he felt compassion for them. It's this idea, this guttural like, oh, that's how you felt about a plant. You felt compassion for it. You, you had concern for it. You looked at it and you were thinking, oh, my wonderful plant, I love you. And good, you know, hugging your plant and it's giving you all this stuff. You're getting this satisfaction out of a plant. He said, though you didn't tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And then like in little parentheses, because I made it. You know, I, he didn't say that, but God did that. Watch what he says. And should I not have concern or compassion or this guttural feeling, okay, for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left? Like, Jonah, I understand they're worthless people. I get that. I understand how annoying they are and how evil they are. I mean, God understands. Listen, the person that you're thinking of in your mind right now where you're thinking, wow, if you met my mom, you really wouldn't, you know, like, like the, you don't know what they did to me. That, that person, the person in the, maybe has the locker next to you or when, and, and when you go to PE, you know, pulls your underwear up or whatever. Not, not at work, at school. And, and like, all, like all these different things. That, that guy, God knows what they're like. And, and here's what God knows that, that it's so hard for us to connect with. The reason they lash out like that, the reason they are who they are is because they have not experienced that grace and forgiveness that comes from our Heavenly Father. And that's the mindset God wants us to have. Jonah, you're concerned about this stupid plant. I got 120,000 people that you want destroyed. They don't They don't know. And then he says, it's just so weird. And also many animals. Like, wow, the animals really did ask for forgiveness. That is so weird to me. It goes, so the next verse in Jonah is just mind-boggling to me. We, we get to this thing, like he, he, he asks this question. Hey, isn't it, you feel concerned about this plant? Don't you think I should be concerned about people? Right, here's the next verse. Hold on. Okay, that's that verse, and here's the next verse. 
Oh, there is no next verse. Jonah ends with this, which is, if you ever write a book, please don't do this, okay? You don't, it's like, well, what happened to Jonah? What happened to Nineveh? Did they ever, you know, I don't know, what happened? Did they ever find the fish? I mean, what, what happened? It just ends with this question. Shouldn't I be concerned about people? 120,000 of them? Why are you so concerned about a plant? See, I think this is where God wants us to end in the book. And I think this is where God wants us to take us into our week as we go into our week this week. Because you're going to come up with people that wound you. They're going to cut you off on the freeway. They're going to remove their, your stapler from your desk. Or something way, way, way worse. As Bob was talking about, it's not the wickedness that's the thing, like that they get so wicked that we go, wow. It's the amount of God's grace that's so incredible that even in the midst of whatever you're going through, the deepest, darkest pain you're going through, God somehow snatches you out of that and then says, now extend grace. You know why? Because he knows you'll live if you do it. And he knows you'll die if you don't. And so that's the question he ends with you. As Jason comes back up, um, I want to leave you with one last verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, we love that for us. We love receiving forgiveness. And we, we understand that. But by definition, if we are going to operate under the grace and mercy and forgiveness of our Heavenly Father, we must extend it to those around us. 